0: Hi, and thanks for tuning in to my adventures at home brewing. I'm Dan Matthews, and come along with me as we talk about things for new home brewers, from gadgets to how we got started, to I don't know all the mistakes we make along the way. So come along for the ride and have a beer or two along the way. for that yeast that can help you attain the best beer possible then you're looking for escarpment laboratories escarpment laboratories are located in guelph ontario and make some of the finest yeasts in canada if you want to make the beer that you want and have consistent results all the time you need to check out escarpment laboratories Brew donkey tours are back we closed our doors for the health of our community, but now with new safety protocols, we're getting ready to open the barn doors. Starting July 24th, the donkey rides again. Every ticket includes ample samples, behind the scenes tours, and a healthy dose of learning. Support local breweries and tourism with a brewery tour by bus. Get your tickets before they sell out at brewdonkey.ca. Brewdonkey. Brew tours that kick ass. all right everybody here we go again once more time with my adventures in home brewing thank you very much for joining us today we are going to be very fortunate to have someone special with us today um someone that has been in the beer scene for i'm assuming for quite a while stan harominus i'm hoping i'm saying his name right because if i'm not i'm gonna look like a complete putz so here we go uh thank you again uh to um to the guys that were on the show last week, thank you very much, guys. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, I hope you guys also enjoyed uh, the brew day that I put up. It was fantastic. Uh, do stay tuned. Uh, I am going to be having a couple of giveaways come along the, come along the way. And uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. So come along for the ride and a beer or two along the way. So we're back, and we have someone very famous in the beer scene, uh, Stan Haramanis, with us today. Stan, how you doing? Good. How are you? Good, sir. Thank you very much for uh, doing this. I know uh, it's a bit of distance between us. Uh, You're down in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm in uh, Ontario. So thank you for taking time of your day to do this. It's greatly appreciated.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: So Stan, how about you tell us a little bit
1: about yourself? (laughs) That's always a uh, tricky thing when, when, because I've been around a long time. Um, What allows me to do what I do is uh, I began working <clears throat> for my local newspaper when I was still in high school. So basically, I'm a journalist by training and, and then education. Um, and ultimately, this writing about beer is just ended up, beer ended up being my beat, so to speak.
0: That's, that's a pretty cool beat to have. I mean, I could think of worse things to be reporting on.
1: Well, it early on I was a sports writer, so I have a covered a few world series and NCAA tournaments and and things like that. And, and people always go that was cool and it 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 was fun, uh but what I enjoyed most were the what might be referred to as pure amateurs, you know, the people who didn't ever think they were going to make a, a lot of money at it. And those best stories are uh were particularly in high schools and and I had a friend of mine who 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 also did a similar thing, and and he left to go work in PR, and and he as he said to me, you know, once once you get above thirty, your urge to be hanging out with with uh, teenagers in short pants, people will look at you sconce. <laughs> so it's time for me to grow up and do other things.
0: Okay, all right. So I, I know you said that your the uh, part of your beat as a reporter uh, was the beer scene, but. How did your, like, major love of beer and hops and all that
1: evolve? Um, So, both my wife and I worked uh, for the third largest daily newspaper in Illinois. Um, And at the beginning of 1992, we walked away from those jobs, which didn't seem as bold to us at the time as it sort of sounds because we were both copy editors. And you could pretty much, it was being like having a good union job. You could walk in, drop your card and work because people always needed copy editors. What we didn't foresee of course, was that newspapers themselves would disappear. Um, and, And so we started doing a variety of things. And in one, she pitched a story about the brew pubs of Florida to American Brewer Magazine. Uh, this is 1992, there were six brew pubs total in Florida. Um, and, and she wrote that, and and the editor liked it, didn't pay very much. Um, and they didn't, she pitched other ideas. For the next year, she probably wrote, I don't know, five or six stories for them. And I I drove the car, and I would sometimes ask questions, because, because we also homebrewed together. Um, and then the following year, I began writing about beer as well, but we still wrote about travel and, you know, things like uh, how to volunteer for a golf tournament or uh, visiting the Louisville Slugger, uh, Bat Factory, you know, a a potpourri of stories uh, along those lines. Uh, We put out a a monthly newsletter about music festivals, but it just kept evolving to writing more about beer. Um, And... And and we broke, we did the travel column for All About Beer Magazine from uh, 1995 until 2002, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but uh, in, in, at the end of 1996, we, we had a child. And, um, and then meanwhile, Dari was doing a lot of copy editing and things like that. So I began writing more things, not the both of us together. Never with the intention that was still going to be the only thing I did. Um, but now we're more than 20 years later and, you know, it's, it's occupied all my time.
0: Oh, wow. That is, sounds like quite the adventure. So now you are extremely well known in the beer scene for being kind of like the hops guru and, and a lot of things, Americana beer. Um, and I have to admit, I, I was at the, um, the uh, seminar that you're, you gave in Montreal this past fall. And I just felt like, wow, the, a wave of knowledge. And there was so much out there that I really didn't know about. Um, is a lot of that information re- readily available to everybody for when it comes to hops? I mean, it, it, I know my, personally, I struggle with trying to find um, the right hops to meet my beer um, and I delve into the book that you wrote for The Love of Hops. Uh, I have some other books. I have an app on my phone from Yakima Chief, and I'm constantly ripping through that thing. And I'm like, okay, this sounds good. This sounds good. Well, that alpha acid's here. That alpha acid's there. It's It's totally overwhelming. Is there a way to go about this process to find the right hop for your beer so that you're not feeling like you're – in quicksand and slowly or actually quickly sinking and sinking?
1: Well, so the, the first book I wrote for a brewer's publication was Brew Like a Monk. And and when I talk about uh, brewing in a monastery style, the home brewers primarily, I, I talk a lot about keeping it simple um, because they're, you, you look at people's recipe and if they want to make, say, uh, uh, a double. Or, or a strong dark, they'll they'll use like all these different uh, malt varieties, and and you go to a monastery brewery, and it is much simpler. Obviously, they're making it a commercial scale. Um, that they they uh, understand the importance of nuance, and they've learned over time how to do it that way. And, and I th- I think that's part of it is focusing on. I can't say one thing at a time because you are trying to to marry um, the flavor of beer is a matrix. Uh, so so what you're using obviously for for the malt, uh, be it barley or wheat or something else, is important. You know what what how the yeast interacts with that, and also how the yeast interacts with the hops. Uh, so everything is is. Um, a series of interactions and if if you can you know the idea is when you do an experiment you change one variable at a time well it takes a long time to if you want to learn about more than 100 hops that that's going to take you a long time you have to be willing to um discard some options and really get to know the others
0: okay so what would you suggest that people if they're getting into it for hops what's a good hop to really just to start learning about i mean personally i find mosaic and citra are good ones to start with because that's what i find a lot of people are using it, a lot of their beers almost almost as base start uh,
1: there's so if if, <laughs> if you want to make hop forward and you're looking for fruity character in the beer that's certainly true if, if you're saying, I want, I want to make a pale lager, then, then you're more likely to go with the, the land race for ice, which people sometimes refer to as noble hops. Um, that's, that emerges basically a marketing term, which is one of the reasons I stay away from it. And, and it really, it doesn't tell you much. Land race tells you that the, those are the hops um, that evolved over time without any intentional crossing uh, mosaic and citra are examples of hops that are hybrids uh, that put everything together and, and, and the character. So, you know, when you're talking about learning to get get to know the hops, if you can begin to look at a family tree, and that's on my checklist thing to do, to put put together a family tree of American hops. So you can look back and say, oh, I, I see that uh, that citra for instance, uh, has Brewer's Gold in its background, that Centennial, which is another great hop, has Brewer's Gold in its background, and I begin to understand some of those, those characteristics. Um, then additionally, like you said, so you pick out a hop that you want to start with, um, then brewing single hop beers is, is a way to understand it. And, and also what I advocate is uh, so most people are going to get pellets and you can take those pellets when you first get them and, and grind them up and smell them. And and you want to put together your own chart of what you're looking for, whether it's five or seven, some people do 12, uh, aroma attributes mm-hmm. and rate those on a scale of zero to five in what you're getting. So is the do I get stone fruit in this? Uh, do I get green fruits, red fruits, do I get catty, which you don't particularly want, um, you know, do I get grassy? All of these attributes, mark that then. Then at the end of the boil, before you add any yeast, um, before if you do any uh, dry hopping, then cool that down obviously, smell it and maybe taste it and see what is different and try and rate those same attributes. If you dry hop, then you want to do it after the dry hop. If you dry hop two times, you want to do it after each one of those. Then when the beer is ready to package one more time, and then maybe two weeks in the package. And you'll understand how that's changing over time and the attributes. And you get to know that one particular hop variety that way.
0: Yeah, a a friend of mine uh, and I just this past weekend did a New England style IPA. And I I got a little a little experimental, shall we say. Um, I went and looked at Yakman Chief and they have a blend of hops called Veterans Blend. And I, I'm retired army. So I have a very soft spot in my heart for anything that's veteran related, especially seeing as they were going to be donating a dollar off every sale to wounded warriors in the United States. So I was all, all about it. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get it here in Canada, but I looked at the different years they had this blend come out. And the 2018 blend was one that really tweaked my interest for this beer because it had Equinox, it had Cashmere, uh, it had Mosaic, Centennial. Uh, There was one more in there that I can't remember off the top of my head. So it had a really unique blend of hops I thought would go really well with this beer. And what you're saying is that at at the end, give it a taste to see what you think. You're absolutely right. Cause I tasted this beer at the end of it all. And I was like, damn, this is actually really, really good. So I'm all excited for it. So now I'm just waiting for it to kind of settle down. Then I'm going to do my dry hopping. So my, my buddy is a bit of a hophead, So he's like, oh yeah, I'm really getting, getting excited for this. Cause I want to get that blast of bitter and everything else. I'm like, well, New England's aren't necessarily known for that blast of bitter. that you do get that bitter but you get more flavor than you would, like you would with the West Coast, I find. Yeah. So I totally agree with you on that part. Totally, totally agree with you. Um, but what do you find as of lately are some of the hops that are being used more than others? I mean, I know noble hops are like, kind of like, if you're a chef, it's like the... Um, They've associated. There's like the you have the mother sauces and so forth and so on. What would be like the original hop? I kicked it.
1: So they're they're basically two because uh, saz the Czech saz, which uh, is is still probably is the uh, so now the the most grown, so to speak, on the most acres and the most pounds harvested of any hop which people are, are paying for the aroma, and you're going to pay more for aroma than you're going to pay for bitterness, is now citra. Um, second is sauce. Uh, and, but also if, if you get spalt spalter, which um, there's a lot less of that and it's harder to get, uh, tetanang tetananger those are genetically the same or the Polish hop lublin so so those are land race hops and in, in some ways we can trace back to uh, six seven hundred years they, they have they would have changed over time uh, because it's only a little over a hundred years that um, that they began to archive uh, the roots of a specific variety uh, but and then, and then the other parallel hop you have in there is Hallertau Mittelfru, um, and then the hops that are close to it are like Hersbrucker and Strasselspalt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then the other one in there is in, in England. You've got Fuggle and Golding.
0: Yeah, Fuggles is a really good one to use. I'm and um, and,
1: and Fuggle and, and <gasps> Fuggle is in Fuggle is is part of the heritage of Citra as a matter of fact. Citrus, 25% oh.
0: Um
1: So th- those are, in, in terms of those, those hops, a- and and you're gonna use them at, at the end. Uh, although I like, I mean, they are more expensive. So you're going you, at, at a homebrewing level, not that you worry about that particularly. I, I like those hops and, and I, I particularly uh, actually, like Styrian Golding, which is a fuggle, <laughs> or East Kent Golding, right. um, as as a bittering hop. Even if you're going to use something else for an aroma hop, um, and 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 then you have the new wave hops, which excite people, um, and that's particularly obviously uh, Mosaic and Citra. Uh, Up and comers are Idaho 7 mm-hmm. and Sabro.
0: Okay. Yeah. Sabro has been used at a brewery I, I work at part-time and we made a really good beer with it. But uh, it, it, it just seems to be one of those ones that's extremely hard to get your hands on lately. Um, <clears throat> I do have some questions for some uh, of the listeners that I have for the podcast. Is okay if I uh, put sure, a couple to you? Of course. All right. So there's a group on Facebook called uh, the Just Home Brewers. And Tom Keith uh, is one of my listeners, said, I've lately become fascinated by neo mexicanus hops. And he's wondering what your take or what you're thinking on these are and what they all mean to the upcoming beer trend.
1: Well, uh, OK, so, so if you go back, hops have been around a little over 6 million years. They originate in, in around Mongolia. Um, and it's not until a little over a million years ago that they left. And they went two directions. Um one, they end up going into Europe, and, and those are the land race hops that we know. Uh, and the other is they migrated uh, into North America, actually into Japan, um, and into North America. And those are the hops that we refer to as neo mexiconists For the most part, they're actually three branches of North American hops. Uh, some thinking is that that should have never been done, that they're, they're similar enough. But it's the ones in the West um, that are called Neo-Mexicanus. So again, if we go back to the first breeding of hops, uh, or hybridization of hops, where, where you put up hops of American background with European, um, that's a hop that came out of Manitoba, and that's Neo-Mexicanus. Um, Sabro um, is, the mother of Sabro is, is a hop found growing in the wild, uh, not exactly known where, but either northern uh, Mexico or maybe somewhere in New Mexico. There are a fair amount of Neo-Mexicanus um, in uh, New Mexico. Uh, additionally, if you went back and you can look at uh, Cascade, part of Cascade is unknown. That means it has American wild, anything American wild has Neo-Mexicanus. So most of the hops that people are using now have a certain amount of Neo-Mexicanus in it. There are a few hops that are only New mexicanus and, and that's because uh, of the efforts of uh, now about 15 years ago. Um, uh, uh, Todd Bates, who lives b- between Santa Fe and Taos, if you, if you know the geography of New Mexico, um, he got interested in this idea of, of um, crossing these hops that he found, and some of them were growing a, at a great deal of altitude. Uh, they were drought resistant, um, and, and, that, and they, two of those, um, actually several of them, uh, uh, hop farmer. In...
0: Hang on there folks. Yeah. There we go.
1: Yeah, I, it gives me a single loop and I have to think that thing. Um, so, um, so some of those, and, and that's now uh, known as Medusa, Mm -hmm. which was uh, Todd called that multi-head and then Zappa and Zappa it comes from actually uh, FZ which because Todd called it Frank Zappa. Uh, MR I think in that order uh, which is multi-head Medusa again then a breeding line he had called Rio and then it has the like the year he made the cross. Um, So those are what are, are only neo Mexicanos? They haven't been bred with, this, with the same sort of intent. Um, and uh, so the CLS Farms is one growing them. Some of the other hops that came out of that, and, and they include one called Neo, um, multi-head. Uh, so Ralph Olson, who, who used to be in charge of uh, Hop Union, which is now Yakima Chief, um, in uh, the state of Washington would sell rhizomes. So there are homebrewers who have these hops growing in their yards. And there are a few farms like in Colorado, and I know like one in Minnesota that have a, some of those varieties. They, they have a little bit different quality. I don't think that they have one that you would necessarily ask to carry a beer on its own. Um, so, uh, uh, Sierra Nevada did a beer only for its restaurants, uh, called, um, maybe, I think maybe called Frank's Wild Stash, but definitely Wild Stash. And then they done another one called Let's Be Frank. Uh, and that was, uh, one they were going to serve at the Craft Brewers Conference. Of course, the Craft Brewers Conference didn't happen. Uh, but talking about uh, they, they did a, a thing on Facebook. So if you go to, I think, the Sierra Nevada Facebook page and you go back a few months, you can find a recording where they talk about the neo hops. And in that, Tom Nielsen from Sierra Nevada says if, if he were going to pair a hop uh, with um, the Zappa hop, he would probably make that Idaho 7. So, okay. That's something to think about. Yeah,
0: so I do. I've had some friends who are brewers here uh, at local craft breweries. Uh, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be working at one, and and just to, this is a question for me, really. I, and I do realize that um, there's a l- large variety of hops out there, but I find classic hops, like 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 you were saying, the original ones. Are the best ones to use is there do you find there may be a a resurgence of people just going back to the classics to get classic flavors classic characteristics coming back soon
1: so so you're putting mosaic in the classics
0: no mosaic is not a classic
1: hop right so older um the the hops that are really that we're playing it this year in the northwest it's going to be a strange year um it, it you look at what's being planted it shows you where the demand is and so the demand is for citra mosaic um still a lot of simcoe even though that was down a bit idaho seven sabro um uh then el dorado yeah which has been around since 2011 but was up like 70 percent wow uh this year so you know again it gives you that that Fruity, juicy character. And that's what, what people want. I, I love the classic land race hops, but there are certain beers they work in and certain beers they don't work in. Um, when people, you know, the, the other kind of niche uh, category beyond IPA, um, if you're not throwing a lot of fruit and making them sour and stuff like that, would be Saison. Um, and Saison, basically people put any kind of, people will make Saison uh, with citra, but also works super well uh, with the older hop varieties, um, say Herzbrecher, um, Strissel, Spalt, but then also some of the hybrids off of those where somebody takes a, a hop of French origin, um, Aramis is an example of that, um, and you know, that, so there is a classic element to that. Uh, but it still can have a, 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 it's a cross between old world and new world. And th- those are intriguing and different.
0: Right on. Well, you know, what do you find is, um, I mean, I think I've already asked you this. What do you find is the most common hop used? And I think you've touched on that being, say, mosaic and such, and right, everything else right now and, and also what the demand is. Um, what is the most unique hop on the market now that people are tending to kind of grow towards?
1: Well, there are different parts. So, um, you know, I think there'll be more zap out this year. So, you know, you, you you've got to find the right place to use it, but it does bring something different. Um, and then, uh, I, I think part of it is a combination, a new hop out of Oregon, which is actually the first hop bred specifically for aroma for Oregon growers called Strata, S-T-R-A-T-A. Um, and that acreage is up a lot this year. It's not a hop that necessarily uh, stands on, a, on its own, although it's funny, I it was just looking on Twitter before we started talking and I see people posting pictures and are going, Oh, here's strata. And this is doing this with strata. And, you know, somebody's using a cream ale. Um, But it it works really well with other hops, say like Amarillo. Yeah. Um, So I, I think, you know, it's people, particularly with the interest in IPAs that, that you want to add this other element to your beer. It's fine. You give people a beer and they go, Oh yeah, that's citra, a lot of citra. Um then and and citra still does lots of terrific things. So you might have citra, but you might back off the citra and blend in a little bit of strata or blend in something like the German Hallertau Blanc. Um yeah. and and take those as um again to keep using that word nuance, you know, where you've got this balance of flavor. And if you put one gigantic aroma and flavor out there, you, you aren't going to perceive the others. So an an important thing is, uh, you know, one thing a positive hops bring as air, as, as beer ages, hops can help mask some of the off flavors. Yeah. But when a beer is fresh and exactly what you want it to taste like, then you don't want one dominant aroma masking all the others. You know, that's, that's why um, and when I, when I talked at Homebrew Con, uh, about this, uh, last month, uh, which was on, uh, Crowdcast or whatever. So people could add comments on the right and you could see them dinging other people in the room when I said, less is more. And, you know, somebody said, well, Jeff does not understand that. Or, who, you know, whoever is, is prodding their friend and stuff like that. <laughs> so, so there are reasons that less is, uh, there, there are, you know, the, the way our odor receptors work can explain why less is more. In the simpler terms, I would just say to you that you're going to mask the good stuff. If, if, if You're going to mask any subtlety if you just overwhelm it with one aroma, no matter how terrific that aroma might be.
0: I got to say, this has been like an, an Extremely humbling experience being able to see you on, on, on a computer monitor. I wish it was in person. And it's, the wealth of knowledge you have, is, it's humbling. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It is greatly appreciated. Thanks for inviting me. No problem. And if ever you're in Ottawa, please uh, let me know. I'd be happy to take you around to all the craft breweries around here and treat you to a brewery tour. There
1: is, there is going to be a time we get to travel again, right?
0: Absolutely, I hope so. I hope so. There's a few breweries down in the states, especially down in Texas. My buddy wants to take me to. So, thank you again, Stan. Sure, my pleasure. And and we'll talk soon. Okay. So I'd like to say thank you to Stan for being on the show this week. It's greatly appreciated. The man has a wealth of knowledge, and for what I can tell, is more than willing to share what he knows with everybody um i'd also like to say sorry for what happened during the recording there was some noise in the background i'm having some renovations out of the house so unfortunately there is a little bit of banging from the contractors another quick note i have some cool things to give away i have excuse me i have some really cool things for those of us that still use glass or plastic carboys or fermenters i have some really cool things to try out called scrubber duckies if you follow me on facebook twitter or instagram go on over have a look and if you like what you see leave me a comment review or just in general reach out to me and uh if you want one i'll see about getting one out to you thanks a lot guys for coming along for the ride and a beer or two along the way and i'll see you soon